our nation is where it is because of what it is, you know. And uh, I'm just glad that God can take care of us in the midst of it. He can judge the nation and he can still provide for us and protect us as he did for Elijah. You know, when the drought came to that nation because of their sin, he provided for Elijah in a miraculous way. Amen. And uh, we might be a part, we might be a remnant, uh, but God takes care of the remnant. Amen. And, and, and we thank God for that. Uh, but we're seeing what we're seeing, the stage being set, that's for sure. Amen. We can see the stage being set. I'm glad that we're going to be out of here, thank God. Amen. We're waiting for Jesus to come. And I know that through history, everybody thought he was coming because of the different things taking place. And uh, who knows? Hey, if he doesn't come to us, we're going to him, that's for sure. Uh, soon, not, you know, soon, you understand. If he doesn't come soon enough, we're going to be with him anyway because we're going to leave this earth. Amen. But it is sad, like, you know, becoming a grandparent now. Uh, as uh, Brother Gilmore said, you know what I mean? Just thinking about the future of the children. You know, there, there were selfish people in the Bible who, when God said, I'm going to delay judgment for you, you know, they got excited and happy. He said, God said, it's going to come in your, your children's days. I mean, it's a little hard to get excited and happy when God's not going to judge you, but he's going to judge your children. You know, our your children are going to be in that judgment, if you will. And so, you know, I think the only thing that we can do is pray for a revival for a delayal. Really, that's about the size of it. You know, you think of the children of Israel, often there was just a, a, rest, a, a reformation or a revival to a degree that God stayed his judgment for a time period. And, uh, but we know eventually things have to happen, amen? There's no doubt about it. We, we know that. And thank God we know that we are saved, amen? And we're safe in the hands of the Lord Jesus. And no doubt about it, amen? But still, uh, we got to sit here and watch things come together. Now, this morning, I, I, I uh, preached a message, and I want to take a few moments to reiterate some things we talked about this morning, because uh, I've been studying uh, a topic that I started this morning. In fact, the title of this morning's message was At Jesus' Feet, and many of you are here. Um, we, we started talking about At Jesus' Feet, and Sometimes I'm not sure how long a sermon's going to go, how short a sermon's going to go. I, I don't have the luxury of saying, we'll stop here, we'll pick up next week, you know. Um, pretty much coming in for, you know, the time period we're here. Uh, but this morning I preached, uh, the whole message was the introduction for what I thought was going to be the message. So, But anyway, this evening I want to continue to talk about uh, at, at Jesus' feet. And so in order to do that, I just want to take a few moments to review what we talked about this morning and kind of bring us up to where we are. If you have a Bible, would you please be so kind to turn to uh, Matthew chapter number 15 for a moment, Matthew chapter 15. Thank you, Pastor and Mrs. Gilmore, for your hospitality uh, today. Went to the buffet today, amen, and uh, we buffeted our body, and uh, thank God we made it here tonight, amen. <laughs> that in itself is a miracle. But uh, this morning, we, we, we started talking about at Jesus' feet. Uh, it's one of those things where when I was uh, reading through the scriptures and I just noted, you know, several times the thought of Jesus' feet is mentioned. And, 
And, and so I just began to do a little study on, you know, let's look at the scriptures where it speaks about the feet of Jesus. Now, obviously, I can't get in there and won't get into every place where it talks about his feet. But I'll tell you, he's got some powerful feet. There's no doubt about that. When they come down on that Mount of Olives and split it in half, that's pretty powerful. Amen. And if you're not familiar with that, read the Bible and get familiar. Amen. When he comes again, that's what's going to happen. But, but anyway, that's the second coming, by the way. Um, we, we started talking this morning about if I would sum it up, it would be this, the things that can be found at Jesus's feet. Amen. The things that can be found at Jesus's feet. And one of the things we talked about this morning was the fact that pardon can be found at Jesus's feet. Pardon meaning forgiveness. Amen. Meaning salvation. In fact, one of the things we did was we went to Luke chapter number five and we looked at verse 17 to 26 where the four men brought the paralyzed man and they brought him to where Jesus was at. And because they couldn't get into the house because of the press, they went up to the roof and they ripped it open and they let the man down and they laid the man right there in front of Jesus. Now that text doesn't use the term Jesus's feet, but we know that when you're laying somebody in front of Jesus, they're right there at the feet, amen? And when these men brought this man to Jesus, Jesus saw all their faith, not just the faith of the men, but the faith of the man that was come as well. And he told them, your sins are forgiven you. And the people that heard that got upset and they said, hey, only God can forgive sins. He heard what they said in their heart. By the way, only God can do that too. And he answered them what, what they were speaking in their heart. And he gave them, said, look, look, is it easier to say get up and walk or your sins for, for be forgiven? Because I can do both. In fact, he said, get up and walk. Let's show these people that you have God in your midst. And if I'm going to show my power, I can also forgive your sins as well. And so forgiveness, salvation, if you will, is found at the feet of Jesus. We looked at the book of Ruth chapter, we didn't go there, but we talked about the book of Ruth chapter number three, where Naomi encouraged Ruth to, to go ahead and, and lay herself at the feet of Boaz. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. Ruth is a picture of the church. And by the way, when you realize he's the kinsman, and redeemer that he can redeem you and he can bring you into the family. By the way, the Moabites were kept out of Israel because of a curse, but the grace of Boaz brought then in that woman, amen. The church has been cursed. By the way, all of us have been cursed, but the grace of Jesus Christ brings us in to the family of God, amen. And so Naomi said to Ruth, go up there. He's in the windowing. He's on the threshing floor and wait till he eats, wait till he drinks, wait till he's happy, wait till he lays down to go to sleep. Get up there, uncover his feet and lay yourself down and when he woke up and saw her at her feet, she expressed to him that she wanted him to go ahead and marry her. And you know the story, amen? It's a great picture of salvation. And by the way, we talked about that. Laying yourself at the feet of somebody in the scriptures it most often is a reference to humble submission. Amen. By the way, if we don't lay ourselves at the feet of Jesus, you'll find yourself under the feet of Jesus. And that's another term in and of itself. And that has to do with hurtful submission. Hey, you're going to submit one way or the other, no doubt about it. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. Hey, lay at his feet. Hey, better do you fall on the rock than the rock fall on you. Amen. And so the fact of the matter is we all have to come to the place in life where we humbly lay at the feet of Jesus, laying there with the understanding there's nothing we can do about this need of salvation. The one in whose feet we lay is the only one who can do something about our salvation. Amen? By the way, you know what's amazing when you read about Jesus and, and performing the miracle to feed the thousands that were, were there in the wilderness with him when he was teaching them? You know one of the first things he did? He said to the men, sit down. 
I find that unique. Sit down. By the way, there's nothing they can do. This is what he can do. Amen. By the way, he is the provider of bread, the bread of life, John chapter 6. Amen. And so we talked this morning about the fact that pardon, salvation, if you will, can be found at the feet of Jesus. But then the second thing we talked about, if you will, is we talked about the fact that power can be found at the feet of Jesus. And that's where we opened up with, look at Matthew chapter number um, 15. Look at verse number 30, is it 39? Matthew chapter 15, verse number 29, if you will. Matthew 15, 29, there's power can be found at the feet of Jesus. And in this very text, I'm going to say this, the power power of transformation can be found at the feet of Jesus. You see, Jesus Christ has the power to change things. Amen? In fact, look at Matthew 15, verse number 29. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there, or sat down there. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, they couldn't walk. Those that were blind, they couldn't see. Those that were dumb, they couldn't think, if you will. Uh, they couldn't speak. They couldn't hear. Those that were maimed and many others. And he cast them down at Jesus' feet and he healed them. You see, they heard what Jesus could do. They knew what Jesus can do and they took the people that were in need of some kind of transformation some kind of miraculous work in their life and they got those people to Jesus's feet by the way there's a lot we can't do for people but there is one thing we can do for people we can get them to the feet of Jesus. That's all we can do. In fact, when you think about those four paralet or those four men taking that paralytic man to, to Jesus Christ, they got to the door and it was too crowded because of the press and they couldn't get in there. The good thing about what they did was obviously they loved the one they were carrying and they thought, okay, we can't get in this way, so we're going to have to find means to get this man to Jesus. I would to God that I had that kind of heart for those that are lost. That, that I would be the, the kind of aggressive person, and I'm not talking about offensive, I'm talking about somebody that says, how can I, what can I do to get this person to Jesus? Why? I know that if this person can get to Jesus, Jesus Christ can make the difference in this person's life. Amen? And so we find these people brought to Jesus and look at verse number 31 and, and he healed them and, and in, in so much that the multitude wonders, people that saw what happened wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, when they saw the maimed to be whole and the lame to walk and the blind to see and they glorified the God of Israel. At the feet of Jesus, there is power to change the life of every one of us. In fact, it has already done that for me. I was blind, but when I went to his feet for salvation, I was able to see. I wasn't able to walk the kind of walk the Lord wants us to walk, but when you lay yourself at his feet for salvation, he gives you transforming power. You couldn't walk before, now you can. In fact, there's a, in scriptures many times when those that were healed that were lame and couldn't walk, there's an emphasis. It says they were lame in their feet. They had never walked. And Jesus Christ made them to walk. He gave their ankle strength physically, if you will, to be able to walk. Amen. There's power at the feet of Jesus, transforming power. But not only is there transforming power, as we saw this morning, but we also see there's praying power at the feet of Jesus. When you and I go to the feet of Jesus and lay ourselves there and humbly seek him and for his help, 
he does things and he can do things, not only for ourselves, but even for others. We looked at Mark chapter number five and just to look at verse number 22 and 23, I'll read for you. It says, and behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly. Jairus had a little daughter who was at the point of death, you remember, and he knew and heard what Jesus could do, and he left his daughter, and he went to Jesus, and he fell at the feet of Jesus. He was in a humble position where he was pleading for Jesus to do something for his loved ones, for his daughter. And thank God Jesus went there and, and raised her from the dead. Amen. We find also in Mark chapter number 7, listen to these verses 25 and 26 for a certain woman. As she was a Syrophoenician woman, we find out, for a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him. You see, this is why people came to his feet. They heard of him. They, they, they saw what he did in the lives of others. They saw him transform alcoholics. They saw him transform drug addicts. They saw him do wonderful things in the lives of people. And they said, if he, if they can, do it for him, if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you. Amen. And this woman, it says, who has young daughter, had, had an unclean spirit. She heard of him and she came and she fell at his feet and besought him and she prayed for her daughter. Now she was a Gentile and Jesus said, I'm not here for you. I'm here for the children of Israel. I'm here for the children. And she said, look, Lord, even the, the, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he said, because of your faith, you got what you want. Amen. At the feet of Jesus, we found pardon was there. We found power, transforming power, praying power. And then we also found, as we looked at Luke chapter number eight, that peace, peace can be found at the feet of Jesus. We, 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 we looked at the story about that demon-possessed man in Mark, or Luke chapter eight, verses 26 and 39. And it's also in the book of Mark chapter number five, this demon-possessed man who had legions of demons in him. The people tried to bind him and they tried to control him and they tried to help him, but he took his clothes off. He ran in the tombs. He cut himself. He was demon-possessed and he was destructive. And then Jesus came by and Jesus cast out that demon or those demons and he saved, yea, he healed that man. And when the people went out to town to tell everybody what had happened, people came out to see the man who did what he did and the man who had it done unto him. And what did they find when they came back in verse number 35? They found the man who was naked before, who was running around, driven by the devil, the Bible says, who was out of his mind. They found this man sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's peace right there. You couldn't have peace being demon-possessed like that. We're not demon-possessed, especially those of us that are saved, but yet we have struggled with peace sometimes. Peace can be found at the feet of Jesus. As we said, humble submission to his feet is the key to being saved. Humble submission to his feet is the key to answered prayer. Humble submission to his feet is the key to peace. If we rebel against him, we can expect no peace. We mentioned earlier Isaiah 48, verse number 18, where the, psalm, where the writer said, God speaking, if you will, oh, that they had hearkened unto my commandments. Then had they peace been like a river. But in Isaiah 57, verse number, I believe it's 20 and 21, he says, the wicked are as the troubled sea. It cannot rest. When you and I are living in sin like that man to some degree, we cannot rest. A guilty conscience, the wicked flee. 
Amen? When no man pursueth. But the righteous are bold as a lion. You got people out there living in sin and they got a guilty conscience and they're running from things they think they see. Amen? Guilt will have you running, no doubt about it. Pardon can be found at the feet of Jesus. Power can be found at the feet of Jesus. Peace can be found at the feet of Jesus. By the way, here's just a thoughtful question. Can we be found at the feet of Jesus? Now, we may have already been there for salvation. I thank God we don't have to keep laying down to get saved. We humbly acknowledge he's the only Savior and we get saved, but, but it is our responsibility to lay at his feet for prayer and to lay at his feet for peace and so much more. I want to take a few moments now, and I want you to turn with me, and this is where we're picking up on, on new stuff. I just kind of touched over what we talked about. Would you look at Luke chapter number 10 for a moment, please? Luke chapter number 10. I want to do is I want to take the life of Mary, Mary of Bethany. You know who Mary of Bethany was, right? She was the sister of Martha, and she was the sister of Lazarus. Mary of Bethany, when we look and study the, 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 the scriptures in reference to being at the feet of Jesus, listen, the person that we find most often at the feet of Jesus is Mary of Bethany. I, I wouldn't stretch it to say this by way of example and or illustration. She seemed to live at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Amen, seriously, all the times that you see her, she's at the feet of Jesus. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, here's a woman who, who just every time we're looking at the scripture, she's there at the, she's living at the feet of Jesus, amen? And, and so from that thought, I, I, I want to look at this. Mary of Bethany seems to have lived her life at Jesus' feet, and from her life we can learn that, listen, living at Jesus' feet is a life that is a few things. Number one, it's a life that's scriptural. Living at the feet of Jesus is a life that is scriptural. You and I, if we're going to do like Mary, and we ought to be like Mary, by the way, we ought to be people that are sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening and learning the word of God. Look with me, if you would, in Luke chapter number 10. Look at verse number 38. Luke chapter number 10, verse number 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Boy, that's, that's not right, right, is it? Verse number 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. By the way, why would he call her name twice? Because she was so busy he had to try to get her attention. You know, when you're so busy for Jesus that you, that you don't give him your attention, you're too busy for Jesus. Amen. Don't ever get so busy for Jesus that you have no time for Jesus. I know that sounds like a contradiction, but that's the truth. She was serving Jesus, no doubt about it, but so much so, Jesus had to call her name twice to get her attention. Amen. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Verse number 42, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. No, I'm not going to tell her to get up to help you. Amen? Mary was a woman who lived at the feet of Jesus and she was a scriptural woman. 
And if you and I would be people who live at the feet of Jesus, we also must be scriptural people. In Acts 22, in Acts 22 verse number 3, Paul said that he was brought up and taught at the feet of Gamaliel. You see, sitting at the feet of somebody means that you submit to them and allow them to disciple you. When we come together, by the way, you should be sitting at the feet of Jesus right now. There's a song they used to sing at the end of every service, till we meet again, till we meet again, till we meet again at Jesus' feet. Because they believed that when they came together in the gathering, they were coming and sitting at the feet of Jesus so that they can learn his word. Look, you're not sitting at the feet of a preacher, although you are to a degree, because he's trying to teach and disciple you. But really, we're trying to hear what Jesus is saying to us. Let him that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. How do you hear what the Lord has to say to you? You've got to be sitting at his feet. You say, what does that mean? That means you've got to have that humble submission. Let me tell you what the Lord will do. If you are humbly submitted to him, he's going to teach you and tell you. They that know shall understand the, doc or the doctrine. Those that do shall understand the doctrine. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. If you have the intent, like, well, I'm just coming in here like, a, you know, let this stuff roll off my back, like, like water off a duck's back. If you come with the wrong heart and the wrong attitude and the wrong mind frame, you're not going to get it. We have to come in humbly and sit down humbly before the Lord, respectful, submissive to the Lord, amen? Almost like Paul the apostle, you know, the day he got saved, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? May we not get so hard. May we not get so cold. May we not get so calloused that we have to be the ones to hear today. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. You see, when the Lord wants to speak to us and we don't have the servant's ear to hear what he has to say to us, we may get harder and harder. Amen? we got to have a submissive ear. He that hath an ear is not only he that is saved, because you got to be saved to have the right ear. You can't hear if you're not saved. But you got to have a submissive ear. Lord, I want to hear what you have for me. Amen? Living at the feet of Jesus is not only a life that is scriptural, but let me say this. According to Mary's testimony, would you turn for a moment to John chapter 11? We're just looking at the places where Mary of Bethany, where we find her at the feet of Jesus. Just trying to learn some things about this. At the feet of Jesus, that's the best place to learn. When you're personally, privately at your home doing your reading of scripture or your AKA devotions, may you and I be found sitting at the feet of Jesus at that moment. Amen? May we be the humble, submissive people that he wants us to be so that he can speak to us, knowing that we're going to try to live right. Amen? John 11, won't you look with me, beginning verse number 32. And by the way, I'll say this. Yeah, look at verse number 32. John 11, verse number 32. You know the story here. They sent word to Jesus saying, the one whom you love, Lazarus, is sick. 
And they said, please, would you come? And what did Jesus do? He delayed. Jesus delayed and got there late. Now, obviously, he's always on time. <laughs> you see, he delayed because Lazarus had to die for what Jesus wanted to do. Jesus wanted to prove he had power over death. Amen? And Jesus wanted to, be, wanted to glorify himself in that respect. But he delayed to the hurt and to the anguish even of the sisters. Think about that. But then he finally gets there. And I want you to look with me beginning in verse number 32. The Bible says this. When, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. You know, Mary was not only scriptural at Jesus' feet, she was prayerful, prayerful. You say, that's a prayer? That's a prayer. You want to read more prayers like that? Read the Psalms. Honesty, sincerity, heartfelt. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother had not died. That's prayer. That's speaking to God from the heart. She's expressing her deep emotion and honesty in prayer. Be totally honest with God. Amen? Totally honest with God. Verse number 32. Verse number 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, she was weeping while she was praying this. This was a heart full of emotion, speaking to the Lord at his feet still. At his feet still. It, it, it wasn't a bitter anger. Why did you do that? Why did you? No, 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 no. At his feet still speaking to him in humble submission. Some situation caused you to get bitter and cold and calloused and mad at God. She wasn't there. She wasn't there. She was still at his feet, though hurting. Still submitting to him, though hurting. Amen. This is reality. Verse number 33, when he saw, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in his spirit. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Amen. He even said to God himself on the cross, we said it earlier, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? David said that in Psalm 22, a man after God's own heart, depicting the Son of God saying it. Amen? But still at his feet. Still at his feet. Many of the Psalms are Psalms of, they even use the term complaints before God. Amen? Yet with a submissive heart. Verse number 34, and, and he and said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, come and see. And you know what happened. Jesus went and raised that man from the dead. When we study the life of Mary of Bethany, we, we learn that living at the feet of Jesus is a, is a life that is scriptural. We, we, we note that living at the feet of Jesus is a life that is prayerful. By the way, these are the basics of Christianity, right? Don't we often say, we need to get back to the basics. We need to be reading the word of God. We need to be praying. But might I say this? We need to do these basics in the way that they ought to be done at the feet of Jesus. Humbly, respectfully submitting to God when reading the word of God, when praying, amen? Turn to John chapter number 12. We're, we're looking at another one. John chapter number 12. 
a life that is lived at the feet of Jesus, exemplified by the life of Mary of Bethany, is a life that is scriptural, is a life that is prayerful, even sincerely honest, amen? But we find in John chapter 12 and verses 1 to 8, and I'll give you in advance, it's a life that is worshipful. Worshipful. What does it mean to worship God? What does it mean to glorify God? What does it mean to praise God? Here's what it means. It means to see and understand and respect his greatness for who he really is. Amen? Worship has nothing to do with waving your hands and singing and dancing and all that other stuff, though that happens. I'm afraid too many people do a lot of outward stuff, but there's not that true worship as there ought to be biblically in the heart. Mary was a woman who worshiped, but she worshiped in the right place. She worshiped at the feet of Jesus. Look at John chapter number 12, beginning verse number one. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. Boy, look at that. Martha served. What do you think she's going to do? You know what I like about this right here? Now, I'd like to think the best of people. I don't always do that. I don't know what it is. Is anybody like me? You don't always think like the positive part. The fact of the matter is she served, but at least it didn't say she cumbered herself again with serving. Maybe she got it right and served right this time. But she served. Listen, there are people, by the way, in studying this, a couple commentators said some good things about this. In this situation, you have Martha, you have Mary, and you have Lazarus. You have the worker, you have the worshiper, and you have the witnesser. You see, Lazarus was resurrected from the dead. People came to the situation, not because Jesus was there. They wanted to see this man that was dead and now is alive. And he was a witness of what Jesus can do. I believe we all ought to work, worship, and witness. But let me tell you the truth. There are some that specifically, it seems like they, their emphasis is working. They're worshipers, but their emphasis is working. And thank God for them. Then there are those that, that work and they witness, but it seems that their emphasis is worshiping. They're really into the word of God. In fact, they're the ones running around sharing the truth. Thank God for them. And then there are those that witness. Oh, they worship and they work, but they just, they're the ones that are really aggressive when it comes to evangelism. Thank God for them. Amen? That's what the church needs, right? Verse number one. That verse number one to verse number two. Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at meat or at the table with Jesus, with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly. But she was sacrificial in her worship, right? Very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Amen. What an amazing thing. Look at it goes on. Look at verse number four. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was this ointment sold for 300 pence and given? Why was it not sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was in it. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing hath she kept this for the poor you have always with you, but me you don't have always. Mary, as we look at her life at the feet of Jesus, 
She was scriptural. She's into the word. She was prayerful. She speaks to the Lord. But she was worshipful. What is worshipful? It's appreciation. She was appreciative for what the Lord had done for her. Amen? It's adoration. It's love and respect. And she showed by her giving how much she loved and respected him. Amen? 300 pence is about the wages of a year's worth of a laboring man. That's a lot. Amen? That she poured out on Jesus, showing him how much she thought about him. He was worth it all. Amen? By the way, that's the essence of worship. You know that, right? Worth-ship. Whatever you worship, you show worth to. And she's saying, you are worthy. You are worthy. Amen? Not enough people are worshiping at Jesus' feet, especially in light of all he has done for us. Amen? In Luke chapter number uh, 17, verses 11 to 19, there were 10 leprous men. Jesus was walking by and they cried out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus said to those 10 men, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of those 10 looked at his cleansed situation and stopped and turned back and went to the feet of Jesus, the Bible says. And he gave God glory and praised God. And Jesus said, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Not enough people are stopping and recognizing what Jesus did for them and giving their life to honor and praise and glorify him at his feet. Not enough. The devil's tithe, just one out of ten. Amen? Not enough people are worshiping at his feet the way that he ought to be worshiped. Amen? By the way, it's his feet and his feet alone that we are to worship. Not another. Amen? I mentioned earlier to you, and I wrote the scriptures down, Acts 10, 25, and 26. Just listen to it. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up! I myself am also a man. You see, Cornelius knew that God had sent Peter with the message of salvation and Cornelius was so excited he went to the messenger and began to worship the messenger's feet and the messenger said, no, 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 I'm just a messenger. You need to worship God, not me. Why ain't the Pope saying that now? Why are these people accepting worship at their feet from others when only God deserves it? Amen? In Revelation 19, the angel was speaking to John, the revelator, expressing to him the wonderful things that were going to happen. Jesus is coming and he's going to establish his kingdom and this world is going to become the kingdom of our God and so on. And what did John do? He said, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou, do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. But he didn't learn his lesson. Because in Revelation chapter 22, verses number 8 and 9, and I, John, saw these things. If you read Revelation 22, he's reading about the new heaven and the new earth. And he's excited about this. This messenger's telling him wonderful things. Be careful you don't start to endure the worshiper to the point, you, or, or, the, or the messenger, that you worship his feet. Because it's the message that is most important. 
And that comes from God. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed unto me these things. And then said he unto me, See thou, do it not. Look, you got angels refusing worship because they know who's worthy of it. He said, For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the prophets, and, and of them that keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. Let me tell you the devil's goal, Matthew 4, 8 to 10. Jesus took, or the devil took Jesus up to an exceeding high mountain. Get him up there so he can get a good view of the temptation. And he showed him the kingdoms of the world. And he said, if you'll fall down and worship me, I'll give you this. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Amen. You see, Mary... She lived at the feet of Jesus. And from her life, we can see, listen, living at the feet of Jesus is scriptural. Living at the feet of Jesus is prayerful. Living at the feet of Jesus is worshipful. Boy, if we were these kinds of people, what kind of Christians would we be? From his feet, we would be good Christians. L let me say this. We're in John 12, right? Look at John 12 with me, if you would. I want you to see something in verse number three. I want you to get this because it leads to the next point. John 12, verse number three. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Now get the last statement. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Let, let me just say this. Mary not only shows us that a life lived at his feet is scriptural and prayerful and worshipful, but it's influential. See, what Mary did caused everybody in the house to be affected by that. It was a dynamic smell. Do you ever walk into a place and there's a fresh deodorized, and, and ever, just, or, or a cologne or a perfume? It's just, I mean, it, it actually just smells so good. It actually makes you feel good. Anybody ever been there? Amen. What Mary did made a difference for the whole house. If I could be scriptural and prayerful and worshipful, I can make a difference in this house. I can make a difference. Paul said we put off a smell. We put off a smell. Some people smell us and they don't like it because it smells like death. But there are other people to smell us and they like it because it's life. We help people get saved. We put off a smell. Amen. I want to be a person who makes a difference in the house, in my own house, and in God's house. Amen. That's what she did. But I want to say this. Not only did she make a difference in her own house, she made a difference in the world. The parallel text to John, there's two of them. Matthew 26, 13 and Matthew 14, 9 say this. This, Jesus said, what this woman did is to be, wherever the gospel is preached, this is to be told for a memorial of her what she did. In the world, he said. What she did in that little house made a difference for the house, but it made a difference for the world. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about her. 
What, is she, what, what she did is challenging me in my life and is challenging hopefully you in your life. We're talking about it. We're talking about it. Amen? Think about that. She's making a difference even now. Her testimony is challenging me to be scriptural, be prayerful, to be worshipful, to be influential. Amen? Finally, I like that word. Don't let it trick you, though, because finally he's in the middle of the book of Philippians. Turn back to Luke chapter 10, if you would, please. And I am going to close at that text. Luke chapter number 10, please. She lived her life at the feet of Jesus. Scriptural. She was into the word. Prayerful. She spoke to the Lord. Worshipful. She loved, appreciated, respect, and sacrificed for Jesus. I believe her time in the scriptures and with the Lord caused her to be so worshipful. Amen. And because of her worship and her life, she made a difference in that whole house and in this world. The last point I want to talk about is this in reference to her and living at the feet of Jesus. Luke chapter number 10, we read the story where, we already read it where she sat at the feet of Jesus and Martha complained and so on. But look at verse 42 for a moment, please. Verse number 42. I get a point from this, from this verse. Here's what Jesus said. But one thing is needful. And what did he say? Mary hath what? Chosen. Chosen. You see, living at the feet of Jesus, we learn from Mary, is purposeful. Purposeful. She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word. She chose to go to his feet to speak to him. She chose to go to his feet and worship him. And her choices caused her to make a difference in the house and in the world. Amen. Folks, it's a choice we all have to make. We have to choose. Listen, life gives us so much to do like Martha, Martha. Can I get a witness? Seriously, we, we, we can all be so distracted that we don't choose the right thing, the needful thing, the most important thing. Amen? We need to be like this woman and choose. And by the way, it's not always easy for her to choose. Get this. Remember, Mary lived at Jesus' feet during good times. I think Luke 10 was when they were having a dinner. It was a good time. But she also lived at his feet during John 11. See, some people live at Jesus' feet during good times. When the bad times hit, they don't have no time for him. In fact, some people blame him, so why go to his feet? That's why you've got to make it pur purposeful to go to his feet. No, not only that, remember this, that Mary lived at Jesus' feet in spite of opposition. There's a lot of opposition that comes to us sitting at the feet of Jesus. Opposition from her very own sister. Lord, tell her to get up and stop sitting there and help me. Opposition from her own sister. 
Mary chose the right things, doing the right thing, and her own family is, 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 is uh, uh, opposing her. Think about that. She had to make the right choice even in spite of opposition. Not only opposition from her sister, but opposition from her situation. Jesus could have made a difference. Could have kept my brother from dying. What a situation. But in spite of that situation, she still went to his feet with her prayers. And then also from Judas and all the other disciples. In John chapter number 12, Judas started it, by the way. What in the world is this waste? What you're giving to Jesus is a waste. By the way, there's the evidence of the man not being saved. He didn't care about the poor. Oh, that could have been sold and given to the poor. No, 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 no. He cared about himself. You know the sad thing is? He influenced the other disciples. You read the other text that go with it. It says even the disciples got in on that and said, yeah, why is she wasting that? Amen? Think about that. You and I, as believers, if you've already laid yourself down at his feet for salvation, you don't need to do that again. Because once you're saved, you're always saved. My prayer for you and I as believers is that I would live at the feet of Jesus Humbly submit to him to learn his word. Humbly submit, even when people oppose it, humbly submit to him when I'm going through situations that I think he could have done something about this. But I still have to, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I mean, we got to be like Job in that situation. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I still have to be humbly submissive. Don't understand. Don't understand. May we choose to sit at his feet humbly. May we choose to speak to him humbly. May we choose to worship him truly. The Father seeks those to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Sincere worship. Sacrifice and give our lives so that we can make a difference in our homes and in God's house and even in the world, amen? But it is something, listen folks, it all boils down to Mary hath chosen that. I have to choose that in spite of all the opposition, be it people, be it circumstances. May God help us to do that, amen? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for your spirit. I pray tonight that your word somehow, some way, was able to Reach our hearts by your spirit. Mary's a great example of an individual who lived at the feet of Jesus and made a great difference in that house and in this world. Is making a difference tonight in this message. I pray that you'll help each and every one of us to choose like Mary chose to do the right thing at the right time and sometimes even at the wrong times when it seems wrong in respects to the way things are. Help us to always find ourselves at your feet because it's only from your feet that we're going to be able to make a difference in the lives of anybody. I pray you'll bless now the rest of the service as the preacher comes. In Jesus' name, amen.